The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. There are many people in the world who think of themselves as being especially worthy of God's favor. They think that God's attention is owed to them because of who they are. They think that he has a special desire to be with them, to have them just inherently because they are wonderful people. They think that they are special, and in many cases, these people think that they are especially good. They are morally good people. They do the right thing as often as they can. Perhaps they think that they are good by their own standards. They know that there's right and wrong, and to the best of their understanding, they are on the right side of the line between somebody that is a good person and a bad person. They think, I've done bad things, but my good deeds certainly outweigh the bad. I have paid enough of the ledger to where I'm on the green side of the line. Or perhaps they think that they are particularly special and deserve God's favor by mere comparison. All of us remember being in school, no matter how big our class was, we always knew who the troublemakers were in the class. We knew who the ones that didn't do their homework the way that they were supposed to and that were sort of a frustration to the teacher. And we thought, well, I know that I am better by comparison to that other student, so I am a good student. We come to the conclusion. Such it is with many people and thinking of their own standing before God. A classic example of this, of course, is the Pharisee who stood in the temple praying in contrast to the publican, the tax collector. And he said, I thank God that I'm not like that man over there and then listed off of his wonderful deeds, contrary to the other guy. Pharisees, in today's lesson from Luke, are like this. They have this mentality. The people that were grumbling at Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors. It was as if they were saying, why should this man, regardless of what we might think of him later, why should he here and now favor these people, these awful people, when he has me to favor? I, who am so good, especially in comparison with them, Yes, many people think of themselves as being worthy to stand before God, worthy of his attention, worthy to belong to him, and certainly worthy of his reward. 
but I suspect many more people in the world don't think this way. There are many people who, in fact, think quite the opposite of this. They think, not only do I not deserve God's favor, I don't deserve his presence, his blessing, I don't deserve to be called his, but even him showing mercy to me in the face of my being undeserving, that's out of the question for me too. In their view, they think to themselves, I have sinned, yes, but I've sinned too often. I have sinned too much. The sins that I have done are far too great for God ever to reasonably show mercy to me. There is grace and forgiveness, yes, for some, but I am outside of that mark. The realm of possibility is past. I am too far gone. You see, unlike the first crew that includes the Pharisees, the second group They don't need any convincing about God's law. They don't need any convincing about God's wrath at sin and their own sin. Because these things are their constant companion. The weight that they carry on their backs every day of their life. And you speak of God to them and salvation, all they can think about is that heavy, heavy load. And so their solution, then, is to run away from God. Not to be as the Pharisees thinking they deserve the seat at the table over and against these other bad people, but rather they go the opposite direction. As the first group approaches God with the presumption of pride at who they are and what they've done, the second group approaches, or rather goes away from God, with the presumption of despair, saying, there is no hope for me. My sin, far too much. I knew better about the things that I thought, said, and did, and yet I still did them. I am outside of the realm of God's grace. He won't forgive me. Moreover, God cannot forgive me. There are many, I suspect, that think of this. Many people that think of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as having this attitude toward them, that they are irredeemable. But thankfully, they are quite mistaken. They are wrong, and it's good. The Pharisees grumbled because they misunderstood not just Jesus the man, but more broadly speaking, God and his attitudes toward fallen mankind. You see, the same God who desires mercy and not sacrifice wants nothing less than to reconcile the world to himself. And you know who that includes? Sinners and tax collectors. Not people that in their own mind have no need of repentance. To be reconciled to God cannot be done by works, cannot be done by comparison to other people worse than oneself, which is exactly what the Pharisees are doing. But to be reconciled to God can only happen by repentance and faith in his gracious will to make that reconciliation happen. That's how it happens, and that is how God wants it to happen. It's what he wants to be done. It is why he promised the Savior. It is why the Savior came into the world. Not to come and make a tally mark, of how awful we are, each to ourselves individually, but to come and reconcile, to come in this world 
to seek the lost sheep, to find the lost coin, to bring those things back to himself. Why? Because they are his. You are his. And he wants you to be with him. He wants everybody to be with him. You see, there is no qualification in this parable about that sheep that wandered off being such a wonderful sheep. It was the most beautiful sheep of the flock, the most obedient when it came time for shearing. There is no qualification in the parable about the coin. Well, it was especially a valuable coin, more valuable than the others, and you could get more than face value for it at a coin show or something like that. No. These things belong to Jesus. They belong to God, and God sought them because he wanted them to be with him. And so I guess if there's an exhortation I want to leave you with this morning, it's this. Your family and friends, whether they grew up in Calvary or not, whether they grew up some other kind of Christian or not, whether they have never even darkened the door of a church, I want you to remember this message and give it to them that they are lost if they are outside of the church, but God wants them back. Not because they are great or wonderful, but because he is great and wonderful. He is rich in mercy, and his love through Jesus Christ and his blood can bridge the gap of any sin. And there is a place for them here. There is a place for them in Christ's church, back in his family, to be with God in this life and forever. We can approach God. We can be with God because he is the one that draws us to himself. He is the one that loves us and wants to find us. So remember that and be encouraged. Be encouraged if and when you fall into sin, you say or do something that you know is wrong and you knew better. Don't let the guilt of that sin and the weight of it hold you back from coming back to your Lord in prayer, coming back to his church, coming back to his altar and saying in all sincerity, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because that's what he wants you to do. And don't let it hold anybody back thinking that they know more about their sin or God's grace than God does. He says it here and so many countless other places that he is the one that will show mercy. He is the one that wants to show mercy and in Jesus Christ, he is the one who has indeed shown mercy. That is what Jesus sinners doth receive means. A great hymn to memorize and learn at home and to sing with your family and a great hymn to take its message to heart, being encouraged yourselves and having the motivation and understanding for the message that you bring as Christians to other people so that they too might know the love of the same Jesus Christ. To him be all glory now and forever. Amen.